Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. It's Upworthy Weekly, and I'm Todd Perry, a staff writer here at Upworthy. And with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. You know her from Allison Rosen is your new best friend. And from doing like a major thing with the Doughboys this week, what's happening? I, well, I joked that it was the crossover event of the century. Hello, Todd. Hello, listeners. Um, so the Doughboys is a very popular podcast. They review chain restaurants. And I was a guest on their show kicking off what they refer to as Munch Madness. This <laughs> is uh, <laughs> in March every year. They have a big tournament where they pit restaurants against each other in a real sports style bracket situation. And this year they're doing sandwiches. Uh, so we kicked it off with with uh, uh, sub sandwiches, Firehouse versus Charlie's Cheesesteaks. I tasted many, in my opinion, not fantastic sandwiches, all for the love of the podcast. So I was a guest on theirs. It was re- it's, really, it's a really good show. I recommend it. It was very fun. And then they were uh, a guest on my show. Hence, I was uh, referring to it as the crossover event of the century. Century. Why am I slurring? It's very early to be slurring. I think it was maybe all that processed meat you ate this week. I think so. It's the it's the nitrates. Nitrites. Yeah. One of those. It, both, actually. <laughs> it's all. It's, it's both of them. Yes. So on this week's show, we're going to talk about some of Upworthy's most popular and engaging stories from Friday, from February twenty eighth to March fourth, two thousand twenty two. Get it together, Mr. Perry. I'm uh, well, Pull it together. What is ha- you accused me of the nitrates and nitrites, but you're falling apart over there. I know this is a very, very obvious observation, but I just want to say, and this might be why you're off balance. I feel like it might be why I'm off balance. The transition from February to March, as I was paying bills on February 28th, I thought, I feel like I was just doing this. And I know it's only a few days shorter than a regular month, but February flew by. It really is. I mean, what a short month. (laughs) (laughs) And also, it really is. And also the coldest month, as Chris yeah. Rock would say. But this is the month I always want to just get past because on the, on the other end is the sunshine and bliss of May and the springtime. And I know that you're a doom and gloom, probably shouldn't be living in Southern California kind of gal who no, doesn't... I, I no, does, I don't enjoy sun. Yeah, no. You've, you Definite... Strange that we've got, you know, Wednesday Adams as the co-host on the Upworthy <laughs> Weekly podcast, but It is weird. I when I were when I was uh selected for this, I did spend time thinking to myself, I hope they know what they're doing. But I think they did. So March is a beautiful month. So Allison, what do we have in the story department for this week? Well, listen. Wonderful story by Heather Wake that ran on Wednesday. Men are sharing the best unmanly things they do that make them feel good. Look, 2022, I feel like we're in a post-gender role world. Uh, These very strict gender roles that were a hallmark of, you know, 
ye old days are kind of breaking down. And you see this both on a macro and a micro level from same sex marriage becoming legalized to like dudes wearing pencil skirts and heels. These are this is what uh, Heather pointed out. And um, but one second, you, though. but where, where are yeah. guys wearing pencil skirts and heels? I I on see- TikTok. Okay, yeah, people on TikTok are doing that, but I'm not walking down my street and seeing, like, you know, a guy sitting at the bus stop at a pencil skirt and heels. I mostly see it on social media, but I haven't left my house in a few years, so I th- it's out there. I'm just saying, it's pretty, you know, you can, you can be who you want to be yes. these days. Uh, so a Reddit user wanted to know what are some, you know, quote-unquote unmanly things you do that you feel no shame about. Uh, and here are some things that men who are now feeling more free to just be themselves, to do things that maybe in the past we would have considered more feminine, uh, feel no shame about doing and enjoy doing. Um, one of them is sewing and, uh, this is supposedly helpful for spatial reasoning, attention to detail and creativity. And my own husband, Daniel with the anvil over his head, uh, I can't, I, I do not sew. I am very bad at anything involving like cutting and little needle and thread and all that. I did in a sewing class when I was a child, I made an ugly pair of shorts and I made a scrunchie, but Daniel made an entire costume for Elliot when he was a baby so that he could be, uh, Alexander Hamilton, just like the musical. And it was featured on the Hamilton app. It was very exciting. Wow. That's amazing. That's where did he learn that skill? He taught himself. He's very, very creative. Like anything, anything artistic, he'll watch a YouTube video and then he does it. He's it's it's amazing. Uh, bubble baths and also some dudes are getting into bath bombs. Uh, cute voices for animals. The a guy told a story about a puppy coming on screen in class and then he yelled out puppy in a very cute voice and the whole class was into this. So, and, uh, here's one Todd that I think you'll like. And I do too. Having a fondness for stuffed animals. (sighs) That was our revelation two weeks ago, right? That you have a koala that Mm -hmm. you kept, kept in your bed and I have a teddy bear. And, but my favorite moment of that is when I think you kind of, tiptoed around the idea that the koala may be in your bed it was kind of like right sometimes i sleep with it and i was was a little embarrassed i was like oh my god me too and then it was just like this big feeling of joy where we could be ourselves around each other and like you know if you came by the place i wouldn't have to hide the teddy bear you know and then you sent me a picture of your bear then i sent you a picture of my koala um And some listeners have reached out to me and let me know that they also have their stuffed animals or they have like bits of their baby blankets and stuff and that we're not alone. Some dudes enjoy domestic chores around the house. Find it really. I'm not. I'm not one of those dudes or or gals. I'm the ironer in the house. You are. Because for a long time when I worked at Sears selling appliances oh, yeah. i right. had to wear a suit and so then every morning i get up and like press the suit and like get my get my shirt looking good so i could you know mm-hmm. go sell a kenmore elite and so then my wife was like oh you're pretty good <laughs> at ironing so, but then it became like oh could you iron my shirt this morning at like mm-hmm. six thirty? and then it my wife once you give her an inch she takes you know a foot and right 
So it I then it became a mile. It became regular. Like, oh, could you do my shirt? And then eventually, it was like, babe, babe, no, I'm I'm having my coffee. I'm not ironing your clothing every day. I'll do it on special occasions and on Thanksgiving. It's, I'll do the you know, the table runners. Yeah. You know, but I can't <laughs> I can't do it every day. You know these oh, these I'm skills. Glad you put your foot down. That's right. Um, yeah, we're a clothing steamer house because oh. before me. My husband had the nerve to have a a girlfriend. <gasps> he was in love with someone else. <gasps> and he even, he lived with her. Ugh. And she worked as, I know, I know. And apparently, and he will, I don't, I, he hates that I ever share this, but it was a whole thing when I found out. She was quite bosomy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. The nerve, right? Now, did you find this out on your own accord? Or did you find it out by one day he was like, I got to no, let the, you know something. Here's this is what, what happened. Here's what I'm no. accustomed to. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't like that. By the way, I wrote an essay about this in my book. So it is out there. My, uh, Tropical Attire and Courage and Other Phrases That Scare Me is the name of it. Sorry that I'm such a promotional beast today. Anyway, uh, we were we were grocery shopping, and a woman walked. This what this woman with whom he lived for many years before he they were then they were broken up for two years, and then he and I met. Is always like a mystery to me. I'm like, who is she? who is she? Because she's not on social media. So this woman walked by, and I said to him, and I knew what I was doing. I said, <laughs> that's what she looks like in my mind, and he said, no. She had a different physique. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) What an idiot, right? And I said, oh, what do you mean? Because this girl was like tall and lanky. And he's like, oh, she um, had like, and then it, you know, it came out that she was like, you know, bosomy. And then, because I am not particularly bosomy. And then I was just like, huh. Does it feel weird every time he hugs me? Does he, you know, and then I just went like, you know, spiraled. Spiral. Like, is that, is this an issue for him? Which apparently it's not, but still anyway. Oh yeah. So anyway, sorry. So the, the, the bosomy ex, uh, worked as a costumer on TV sh- and like was all about the steamer. So he has a steamer. That's why we're a steamer family. That's why I was saying that. Ah, okay. Wow. Uh, some dudes enjoy being the little spoon. A, a guy rode in. He's taller. He likes being a little spoon. Guys enjoy a good cry, especially while watching a sad movie. Gardening. Uh. Therapy. You know, I have to say, the fact that someone has decided that therapy is a traditionally, you know, more feminine thing, but they enjoy, like, blech to all of that. There, there should be no gender attached to therapy. Everyone... Who is open to it can benefit from therapy. So excuse me. Yeah, I think some people look at it as a sign of weakness, and so they don't. I, I would assume okay. that more women are open to the idea of going to therapy and talking. And women are also socialized to talk about their problems more. Well, uh, uh, a word I learned from uh, Heather Wake in this article right here, there is a word... And this just shows how difficult it can be for men to discuss their feelings in therapy. Alexithymia is a term which means without words for emotions. And it's something that men will uh, experience in therapy sometimes, which is where they're trying to describe what they're feeling, but they have trouble. Alexithymia. I thought that was like Fonzie syndrome. (laughs) 
Where like, you know, Fonzie would really be in love with a woman and he'd be like, hey, I love. Yeah, right. And he couldn't get it out. Mm -hmm. But maybe. Fonzophimia. Yeah, it wasn't just because he was cool. It was because he had the Alexophimia. You know, and maybe. Or or that. (laughs) And maybe the big leather jacket and everything was to protect his vulnerability. Right. Just on a motorcycle. You know, but in the realm of human interactions. Right. Maybe you take off that leather jacket and underneath he's just a skeleton. Oh. You know, I was reading this list and I began thinking about things that I enjoy that I guess would be considered not manly. Mm-hmm. And one of them is, you know, those Biore pads? Yes. Where you put it on your nose. Biore Poor perfect strips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you put it on your nose, and then it like sucks to your nose and cheeks, and then after like fifteen minutes, it dries. It's almost like it becomes like plaster, right? And then you rip it off, and then you see like all your blackheads are are stuck to the pad, almost like a like a mouse trap traps a mouse. It it, it pulls <laughs> out all the the crack crap and the gunk from your face that you've been living with for who knows 15 20 25 30 years stuck in there something magically gets it out but then the great thing is you have the, just the results of of everything that's on the the pad like there's mm-hmm. such a feeling of satisfaction that comes with it you know i have a box of them i've never actually used them i understand the satisfaction of seeing like that woolly willy situation on the pad but then does your face look and feel more clean, or is it just that you have a pad full of junk? Uh, it does. It feels <laughs> like you got unclogged a little bit. Like there was a bunch okay. of it's a, there's a bunch of gunk in there that you didn't even know. And then once you got it out, you're like, oh god, that feels great. Girl, <laughs> girlfriend, girlfriend, <laughs> you got to try it. <laughs> All right, maybe I will. I mean, as discussed, I am on TikTok a lot, and one of the places I find myself is uh, like dermatologists say never use these over-the-counter skincare products. And they say Biore can be a little harsh, but mm. maybe I'll give it a go because what else am I doing? Well, to be honest, I use the off-brand generic ones. Oh, I imagine those are also no good, but, you know, I'll try it. It was like sure. 30% cheaper, and I didn't want my wife going, why are we racking up such a huge budget on Biore pads? Mm-hmm. And why are you using Biore pads? Because I hide them. You know, they're kind of hidden in my in my medicine cabinet. Because you are trying to appear manly? Is this is this exactly what we're talking about here? I just I don't want to seem like I'm being vain. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, I, I have a weird thing with that. But and and yeah, it may Own it may it, be Todd because it's girly. I don't know. Own it. It's okay. Is it okay now? It's self care. Yeah. It's okay now. I, I also like I, I do my eyebrows. Is that isn't that girly? Oh. What do you do? What do was it, what do you mean? You tweeze? Well, I don't go. I don't, I don't like go to like a threading person or whatever. Like I, I mm-hmm. I'd say I have natural looking eyebrows, but I do get in there and I tweeze a little bit just to keep keep a good shape. I think that's just grooming. I think that's fine. So other men do that. Does Daniel do that? I don't think he does his eyebrows, but there's definitely some nose hair trimming. Oh my god! And again. Daniel, I'm sorry, but since you no longer listen to anything I make, you're never going to hear this. Um, He has a situation where he'll like trim his nose hairs and then all of a sudden his nose will start hurting really bad. And I'm like, you've got to be more careful because I think he's nicking himself and he repeatedly does this. 
Does he or have something one of those, will get in those trimmers? I don't know what he does. This is a, this is private Daniel time. Oh, so you don't sit there and watch him? You know? No, I don't. Maybe earlier I would have been fascinated, but at this point I don't care. I mean, I care about his health, but I don't need to watch him trim his nose hairs. Uh, something else girly is a uh, I floss. I don't think that's girly. No, that's just. I think that's just hygiene. Okay. Uh, Wait, why do you think flossing? This is fascinating. Why do you think flossing is girly? I, I never hear guys talk about flossing. Well, you're in the wrong circles, my friend. Yeah, I'm never like oh, sitting with a guy. We're having like some chicken wings and <laughs> watching a little football. And the guy's like, oh, you're like, what? Like, I got, I got some floss stuck between my teeth. And then it was, oh, it's because you're using the cheap stuff. You got to get the six ninety nine pack that has that nice like layer on top of yeah. it of, of, of kind of a plastic, that sheen that really mm-hmm. gets in there and cleans things out. Yeah. No, I think flossing is, uh, is for everyone. Floss is for everyone. Okay. Uh, I, I like to wear uh, lace panties from Wet Seal. That's for everyone. I, I like getting emotional listening to Fiona Apple. Is that is that girly? Because usually the song is about a man doing her wrong, mm-hmm. but she sings it so beautifully and everything that I, I like relate, even though I haven't really been done wrong by a guy named Sailor. You know, you're an empath, as uh, explained on the most recent episode. So I think that's fine. Upworthy Weekly. People are sharing what they believe happens after we die. And the responses are enlightening. Hmm. Yeah, we're just keeping it light on this week's show. (laughs) One of the funniest and most bizarre things about being a human being is that we really know very little about what's going on. Oh, this is written by me. Sure, many religious people are confident. They know why we exist, where we came from, and what happens after we die. But there isn't a whole lot of evidence to suggest they're correct. And here come the emails. However, (laughs) even though we're at the center of an incredible mystery, most people are happy to go about their days without worrying about the basic nature of our existence. This has always been very strange to me. Why isn't the nature of existence the number one question on everybody's mind when they wake up? Because then you just lie in bed all day shaking back and forth. Yeah, you probably become a bit of a neurotic, I guess. Yeah, it'd be be hard to go about your day, I think. It does put things in perspective, though. Oh, yeah, it does. you got to have a balance of being aware uh of mortality but then also ignoring mortality it's what i mean what a what what a conundrum it's like in the vedic religions right where the the god is playing amongst humanity and forgets that god is amongst humanity then god wakes up every once in a while destroys everything and then goes back it's like this on and off switch of god's consciousness is uh as the vedic people say uh you know and my my point in here is that, you know, some people, they believe that there's a heaven and a hell. But the the thing is, like, if you were in heaven, let's say you made, made it to heaven, eventually heaven would get boring, right? Because everything's perfect. You're looking around. There's nothing wrong to go on in life. There's nothing to fear, but there's nothing to strive for. And so you're just walking through like, oh, okay, gonna, here's a guy playing a harp. All right, everything's, <laughs> everything's pretty. Oh, we got another... Meeting with the big man, and he's going to rant about something. I don't know. He's. You think he rants? 
Yeah, I I picture God as being kind of like Donald Trump. You know, he's oh just sitting God. there, and everybody everybody goes around. They sit. It's like at Mar-a-Lago is like heaven, <laughs> and uh, ah! sits there and just walks into the occasional gathering that's happening and talks about the stolen election, and then goes back wow. away, and then everybody uh, everybody goes about their day. So I think that's what heaven's like a little bit, but. You know, but eventually it would get boring. And I feel that also you're supposed to go to heaven and spend the rest of your years with like all your loved ones. You see them again. And it's like, Daniel, your husband, he's tired of hearing your podcasts, right? <laughs> Evidently. My wife is way tired of all the same stories. Now, imagine this going on in perpetuity. Oh, my God. Heaven slowly becomes a form of hell. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I mean, even if there was an afterlife, I'm not that excited about it. And then you think about it on the other end, like if you were sent to hell, if you're sitting there and somebody was um, torturing you and everything, eventually it, that would just be kind of like the baseline. And all that misery, mm-hmm. you just kind of get used to it. And like, yeah, like, eh, hell, it's not that bad, you know. They got- right, right. Like, what do you have for me today, Satan? Right, bring it. Uh, s- some people here in on Reddit were saying what they think the afterlife life is like, and the cool thing was they had a whole bunch of different opinions on it. It wasn't just a standard heaven, hell, worm food, reincarnation. Uh, one guy says our energy moves on. Our energy, just like that of every living thing before us, will go on and become new things: soil, plants, lions, toilet paper. Spaceship wheel arches, dragonfly toes. We're all just part of the same system. Neither manufacturing... Dragonfly... Wait, dragonfly toes or dragonflies, comma, toes? Because do they have toes? Yes, they do. Everyone knows that. Oh. Well, excuse me. How do you, how do you think it lands? Um, on its stumps. How do you think they kick people? When people are like, I got kicked by a dragonfly. <laughs> You're right. I never thought about that. What a dumb question. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, we're all just parts of the same system, neither manufactured nor destroyed. We're just transferring that bestowed upon us to all those before. Death is life. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't dis. I don't disagree. But this person loves their own writing. Just gonna like, just pass that real <laughs> yeah. quick, and then we could. <laughs> Get the right frame of mind for this. I'm going to look up dragonfly toes while you continue. And another person quoted the great Mark Twain, who said, I do not fear death. I've been dead for billions and billions of years before I was born and had not suffered in the slightest inconvenience from it. Which is pretty good. That's my uh, Hal Holbrook doing Mark Twain for everybody uh, taking notes out there. That was really good. Yeah. And another person said, when I think about it, I come to this very same conclusion. Uh, The only thing that's comforting for me is that according to some people who have experienced near death, just before full-on nothingness, you relive your life one last time with an emphasis on the best moments of your life, all being overwhelmed with a feeling of love. That sounds beautiful. I don't know if it's probable, but I would like to experience all my good days again before going off to take the great dirt nap mm-hmm. me too and i wonder like how fast does that happen though and who determines it right 
And what if you disagree with them? Yeah, like, like that no, day. not that one. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was a good idea, good day in your idea, God. You know, like <laughs> there was one day I like walked by a harp in the eighth grade, and then yeah. God, that was your best day. You know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. a- Allison, what do you uh, what do you think happens after we die? Mm. After the great anvil falls on one's head. Right. Uh, I I wish that I had some really beautiful, uh, comforting, majestic kind of uh, thing to say. But I am one of those people who thinks that it's kind of uh, the great nothingness. Um, I do take some comfort in like we are part of energy that exists before we are here and the energy goes, you know, back into the universe and turns into other things. But I don't really believe that our consciousness persists. I want to, Mm -hmm. I would love to think that, but I don't think that I, as me will die. And then like, you know, in some form, open my eyes and be like, Oh my God, I'm still here. Look at this now. Like I would love for that to be the case, but I don't, think so that being said I did have one and and I have that has been my belief system my whole life um but uh a friend of mine died uh right after I graduated college and it was like the first person close to me first young person um who had died and it really messed me up and I was driving I do a lot of my great thinking while I'm on long car rides or in the shower like most people I think and I was driving and I was thinking about how you know no one can really as far as I know explain consciousness and consciousness is kind of a miracle so how can I be sure that consciousness doesn't continue given that consciousness is this unexplainable phenomenon so in that moment I was like wait and I felt like I can't be sure of anything anymore so that was the closest I came to like my beliefs changing and then over time they've kind of settled back into where they are and I'm I am okay with that I don't love it but I'm okay with that Mm. you know I was (laughs) I was thinking uh, I was thinking um it's the fact that to me everything has a finality to it is what mm-hmm. makes living right now all the more powerful and great. Because if the whole time you're at the party going, but the after party is going to be lit, then you're not going to really enjoy the current party. Or you're yeah. just going to be like, well, I don't really need to enjoy that much time with my wife because I'm going to be with her eternally. So mm-hmm. do I really care if she gets mad at it and take out the trash? This fight's going to be going on for years, honey. You know, <laughs> this is this is happening forever. So... I think the fact that one day uh, my consciousness, I believe, will be extinguished like a cigarette butt, that every moment I want to look at with my eyes wide open, try to enjoy the moment and my time with those that I love and to try to make as much cool crap as possible and um, and and to leave all used up like I didn't waste a moment of my life. And I think that's mm-hmm. very... Uh, encouraging to me you know yeah i agree by the way if you search dragonfly toes you get maybe one image of a dragonfly and a lot of images of women's painted toes with dragonflies painted on them so if that's what you're into i just gave you an afternoon search term upworthy Upworthy Weekly. weekly
Let's do another story. Okay. A guy forgot to change his address in his Chipotle app, and it resulted in the sweetest exchange. Ah! Todd! Warning, the following story is super wholesome. Its sheer goodness might cause some to regain their faith in humanity and to burst into uncontrollable tears of joy. By the way, by the way, I don't know what people sit in your little tower deciding when to nearly kill me with that wholesome alarm, wholesome alert. But I, this, yes, there is an element of this story that is wholesome, but it is also uh, heartbreaking. It was like very, very sweet, but also heartbreaking. So I think we need to gather. If I'm invited to the meeting, we need to gather around and pull out a dictionary and discuss what we're going to determine is wholesome, please. Okay. This one's by Annie Renault, and it ran on Wednesday or Thursday. I can't remember. Okay. So, uh, Shahid Davis ordered Chipotle in an app, uh, placed the order, forgot about it. Then he received a text from the driver uh, and the driver said, hey, I'm almost here. And then all of a sudden uh, he realized, oh no, he uh, last used the app when he was on a business trip in Iowa, but he lives in Maryland. So his food and the driver are in Iowa. So he said to the driver, like, hey man, (laughs) explain what happened. Um, You go ahead and enjoy it. The driver texted, I'm here with your order. He said, uh, take it with you, bro, and enjoy the lunch. I forgot to change my address, and I'm currently in Maryland. <laughs> um, um, okay, thanks, the driver responded. Um, but then a short w- short while later, the driver sent another message that made uh, Davis sharing the story go viral. He said, I wanted to thank you again. It's my brother's birthday today, and he is laid to rest not far from where you had me take this delivery. I'm having lunch with him today because of you. You have no idea how much this means to me. I truly appreciate it. Now, again, wholesome, yes, but also heartbreaking, heartwarming just a whole you know i need tissues this is so sweet and also very sad it is what my five-year-old calls happy sad so i don't know that this warranted you nearly scaring me out of my skin with that sound effect well i think that it's not just wholesome it's what is referred to often as all the feels oh yeah they do call it that yeah it did give me it gave me gave me all the feels this is um yeah. This is like the so, buffet of emotion. The buffet really of is. the upworthy emotions all happens right here. So according to Annie Renault, Davis told Upworthy, and I'm going to tell you what he told Upworthy, but that makes me say uh, Upworthy must have interviewed him. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Davis told Upworthy that he was really happy to receive the message. He said, I felt like I made an impact on his life, even though I don't know the person's name or anything about them. But it doesn't matter uh, at the end because I did something to help brighten his day up. I think we humans all have a kind soul inside. We just have to push out the negativity and push out kindness. Only we can make the world a better place. Oh, that's so Upworthy. I love that. That's beautiful. What a sweet story. That was the damn best answer he could have gave. Yes. So true. Very sweet. And I think it's a great story about how uh, you never know what people are dealing with. So true. You know. 
You don't know where that delivery driver is going right after or that person that you meet at the drive through what's going to happen to them after work, what happened to them before work, and everybody's just got to go out and put on a smile. Uh, mm-hmm. But some people are dealing with some really heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know what I wondered? Chipotle is a very specific kind of place to eat because... When you go there, it's one of the one of these places I call like a, a picky person restaurant, <laughs> like Subway, where you go. Oh, I want I want the sofritas, and then I want like half an ounce of corn, and then I want no, not the yellow cheese. I want the white cheese. Uh, and, I feel and like they, I know exactly where you're going with this. Continue. And so you never know the guy who is the delivery guy whether he was like, ah, oh, really? Oh, I know. <laughs> Oh, really? that was my reaction too. like, keep it, bro. It could be a little presumptuous. Like, what if I hate what you ordered? Yeah. But thank you for the, the it's a kind thought. But what if I don't want to eat this? Yeah. Chipotle could go either way. Like I could just yeah. like, would you ever just grab a random bag at, at Chipotle of stuff for the pickups? You know, when people do the mobile order and they got like nine bags right. and you're like, ooh, I wonder what's in that one. No, because yeah. you get there, you'd be like, oh, Sofritas. And oh, they got the, the green bell peppers in my bowl. Horrifying. And, and all this sour cream is going to stop my heart. I'm going to have a coronary, you know. Yes, that was so that was my first thought. But then measure that against free bag of food. I feel like it's pretty ex- like like when you don't get what you ordered, that's frustrating. But when you get a free thing that you didn't even order, that's exciting. Yeah. And we're also talking about eternal life with a spouse the other day or the other day, a couple minutes ago, like five minutes ago. Oh, my God. What did I get hit? Reel in it in head by something <laughs> today. I don't know what just happened. Oh, uh, you know, it was <laughs> it was the it was the big J we passed during the uh <laughs> <laughs> the discussion Pretty, of the afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just thinking the other day, like, I was just thinking, like, what if my wife left me or, you know, got hit by an anvil and I had, like, a, the next wife, you know, mm. or the next girlfriend. And I was just thinking what was daunting about the situation was that, like, what if, like, there's all this stuff that I'd have to relearn about somebody that now I just have dialed in. Like, what if, you know, I had to learn like Scarlett Johansson's like Chipotle order and <laughs> what she likes. That's from, who it's going to be. From probably. Uh, yeah. I've got Colin Jost energy. Um, <laughs> y- you know, like uh, Subway, what my wife likes mm-hmm. at Subway, which is something very specific. And it's all these little things that you have grooved in with your significant other over time. Right. That right. Knowing you have to learn that about somebody else sounds like, oh, my God. I mean, how long does it take? It would probably take me 15 years and I'd be dead by the time I'd finally have things grooved in with this this new lady. Yeah. Um, I like that <laughs> in this scenario where your wife has died, that's the concern. Can I tell you, when I, uh, when it was time to give birth to Owen, my second baby, I don't think I've told this story, um, I started spotting, so having a little bit of blood um, appearing uh, two nights before I actually gave birth to him. But it happened, so I called my doctor and they said to, you know, and it was around the time that I thought, you know, so I called my doctor and they said to go to labor and delivery. Um, 
and then ultimately they ended up sending me home. But I, you know, I thought it's hap. I thought he's coming. Um, so Daniel and I were both nervous. So, you know, they took us back to not actual labor and delivery, but like the sort of like emergency room of the labor and delivery, like that whole little tiny little uncomfortable, like holding room before. And so I was in the bathroom and Daniel was in the room and I was going to meet him in the room and they were asking him questions and he, they asked him my middle name and the name that he gave them was not my middle name. <laughs> Guess whose middle name it was? The bosomy girl? Exactly. <laughs> Guess how many times I've brought that up since? A billion times? That's exactly right, yes. <laughs> That's something now, you could never live down. He's like, I, I was nervous. And I'm like, okay, fine. But still, I mean, come on. I, I just expected that he would have. He got. He was kind of defensive as if my middle name is something he shouldn't be expected to know. So, uh, whatever. I called my wife the wrong name. When? Uh, like, how recently? A long time ago. Uh, okay. But we, we had been dating for a long time and then broke up. And then she went to England and came back from England. And I was asleep in my bed, and she like called my roommate. She's like, I'm going to surprise Todd by waking him up in the morning because her timing was all off because mm-hmm. uh, she was in the UK. So, And I'm like half asleep, half awake, and she jumps on the bed. I go, oh, Carrie. <laughs> and she oh, goes, no. what? Oh, God. But we weren't dating at the time, so it was okay. We were just friends at that point. But, uh, but were, you, were you dating Carrie? No, I dated Carrie like before my wife. So this so your brain was just not I, I online had, yet. I had a type and they all kind of looked alike. But. <laughs> oh, no. And this actually got mentioned in, in the wedding vows. <laughs> my wife brought it up in our wedding vows. So. <laughs> Here's to you, Carrie. <laughs> Upworthy Weekly. How one female copywriter convinced the world that diamonds meant everlasting love. And this is by Heather Wake. And the weird take from this is, I think it's it's International Women's Month. So it's interesting stories about how women have changed society in in a major way. And it's also an interesting story on maybe if you learn the story behind diamonds, don't need to waste your money on one. We've all heard the phrase that diamond is forever, but as history shows us, that it isn't necessarily the case. In fact, having a diamond in a wedding ring is a fairly new concept. It's a brilliant lesson on the power of emotional marketing. And so, basically, after the Great Depression, the De Beers Company, that's the world's largest diamond conglomerate, uh, they couldn't convince people to spend all this money on a diamond because people didn't have it. So a copywriter, uh, basically for those of you who don't know, it's like someone who writes ads, you know, like Peggy Olson on Mad Men. And that was a job I had for many years and still do. I moonlight as a copywriter. And um, so basically she came up with the brilliant idea of saying a diamond is forever. And then immediately they sold millions and millions of diamond rings. And by the 1960s, 80% of women in the U.S. owned a diamond ring. And it's still used by De Beers to this day. 
So it was just an interesting thing about how somebody can simply reposition something in a tagline and completely change the behavior of the masses and how brilliant this woman was to figure that out. But then also how she probably hamstrung a bunch of poor guys and gals that had to go out and fork over that money for the diamond ring. Um, I was thinking about this as a brilliant version of what they call positioning where it's just how do you tell the product story from the right angle to get people to buy it? Like, you don't say a diamond, it has a lot of luster. Or a diamond, <laughs> it's sparkly. Mm-hmm. Or a diamond. A diamond. It's so hard. <laughs> it is. It's really, they are, you know, the hardest gemstone. Uh, you know, yeah, a, a diamond. It's kind of see-through, but not see-through. <laughs> you know? Right. Instead of that, she just basically said that they can't be destroyed and then imbued the power of love and marriage, you know, because then if a guy shows up with a ruby, the woman's going to go, this isn't forever. This is some this is some eight year ish. Right. Temporary. So uh, it also made me think of on Mad Men. It was great. They had the whole bit where Don Draper, they're trying to come up with ads for Lucky Strike cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And Don Draper's like. It's toasted, like the tobacco. But they they toast every kind of tobacco. But it's just Lucky yeah. Strike said it, and it became a huge hallmark. And then when someone would smoke it, they go, "Oh, it tastes great!" You know, it's uh, toasted. We can say anything we want. How do you make your cigarettes? We breed insect repellent tobacco seeds, plant them in the North Carolina sunshine, grow it, cut it, cure it, toast it. There you go. There you go. But everybody else's tobacco is toasted. No, everybody else's tobacco is poisonous. Lucky Strikes is toasted. I, th- I think about that all the time as like this little detail that you give someone that they hang on to without really knowing what it means. But it sounds like it's something that's supposed to be good. Yeah, and, and there's a feeling to it. Mm-hmm. You right. Know, it's like warm, what- nutty. Upworthy Weekly. It's toasted. Does it work? I like it. Uh, Upworthy Weekly. A man who fell from his wheelchair into a lake was saved from drowning by his little beagle. Ah! Warning, the following story is super wholesome. Its sheer goodness may cause them to regain their faith in humanity and to burst into uncontrollable tears of joy. I cannot live in a state where I'm expecting it all the time, okay? I get that I should. I probably should. This is, have I, maybe I've brought this on myself. The next show, I'm going to expect it on every story because arguably it could be applied to every story. This is by Todd Perry, well, you, and it you, ran on Thursday. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, Allison. I just got to let you know, though, I was talking with Joseph Upworthy, <laughs> founder, founder and CEO, and he he yes. really he really liked the wholesomeness alert, and he wanted to take things a step further. So um, we're going to start implementing kind of a Nickelodeon. You can't do that on television. Slime. Oh thing. no! <laughs> so I, I'll wear a biohazard suit next time. Yeah. So if you say I don't know, Alistair. Then just. Oh, it was Alistair? I thought it was just, I don't know. 
Well, usually, I mean, the Alistair would be standing there next to the oh, okay. gal, and then she'd she'd get the gunk. Got it. You know? Got it. Listen, I feel a little shaken up by all that. Eighty-one-year-old uh, man named Harry Smith, who who uses an electric wheelchair, was uh, uh, with his beagle mix. She he, she was out for a walk. They were out in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Uh, his beagle mix is named Sarah Jane. They were out near a lake when the wheel of his wheelchair caught and spun around and like basically threw him uh, into the lake. The The wheelchair like rolled. He was kind of hurled out. It's very awful. Out of the <laughs> out. It, it threw, threw, flung him into the lake. Uh, he can't swim. He's, he would have drowned if Sarah Jane hadn't his beagle hadn't realized he was in danger. Um, she immediately started barking. This caught the attention of two passersby nearby who at first, because Sarah Jane was in the water barking at first, they thought that, and this is Florida thought that she was being, uh, attacked by an alligator, but then they got closer and they're like, we know that guy. That's Harry Smith. Oh my God. He can't walk. And then they caught the attention of a policeman and all of them were able to get him out and to save him. Um, you know, medics were able to give him the assistance he needed, but he, and the whole thing was terrifying. Uh, but definitely had it not been for sweet beagle, Sarah Jane, he, uh, you know, people wouldn't have seen this happening and uh, there wouldn't have been such a happy ending. And again, I love stories like this and they remind me that I don't think my sweet Wendy would have done any of this. And I love her so much, but I just don't know how helpful she really would be. Aren't beagles kind of like crazy dogs? Like kind of wild? That's their reputation. Um, she's a beagle mix though. So in, from the photos, she looked a little bigger than a beagle. Uh, then like, a, I think of a beagle as sort of like small to midsize. She looked a little bigger. Um, but yeah, they, they have the reputation for being kind of high strung, crazy dogs. Yeah. And a beagle smart dog, because what I've seen is a beagle, if a beagle sits on top of a dog house and puts goggles on, it can actually mm-hmm. fly the dog house. Yes, like, I've seen that as well. And, and also, in um, there, I saw one documentary where a beagle went to a summer camp with its owner and helped. There were these like there were these really kind of mean kids, and then there's a whole competition, and the beagle was instrumental in helping its owner and like a whole um, you know cabin of kids do well. So yeah. There's a, there's a lot been, that's been written about this particular beagle that we're talking about. Yeah, who that, had, the beagle has a friend who's a bird. Mm. That sounds like a really good upworthy story. It, yeah, it really does. We should talk to Joseph. The the funny thing is, if you ever go to Upworthy's Facebook page, you know, obviously there's a lot of great people who comment on the stories, and there's a lot of good dialogue that happens. But also, me and Annie, who writes for Upworthy, we always joke that half the people that comment actually didn't read the article. Mm. Like, they just read the headline. You know, the headline says, a man who fell from his wheelchair into a lake was saved from drowning by his little beagle. Now, one guy wrote, who didn't read the story clearly, says, 
There's no way a beagle is carrying half that man's weight, let alone the full weight. I mean, it's a good point if you didn't read the article. Yeah. But I liked how he was just straight up like thinking to himself, I'm going to call BS on this yeah. one. Right. You're not You're not a fool. You know what they say. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool, what, fool me twice. Well, you're not fooling me again. That's right. right? We won't That's get fooled again. <laughs> uh, did people write things about our podcast on Facebook? Because if so, you know I got to go there and read it. Uh, well, I guess, yeah, yeah, check it out on the uh, Facebook page, uh, Facebook slash Upworthy. Uh, you know, uh, something that we talk about on this show sometimes is, are you a better person this week than you were last week? So I think, leave us a comment, let us know. You leave a, We would love if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Um, we're going to start incorporating those into the show. So in the review, let us know, are you a better person this week than you were last week? Speaking of reviews, I'm going to force Todd to listen to a review that I particularly liked that was on Apple Podcasts. Okay. Uh, here we go. Todd and Allison equal dynamic duo. This is five stars, and this is by Jackie D887. Very familiar with Allison Rosen, but Todd Perry is new to me. They've really clicked after the first few episodes and are funny and intelligent. They give each other enough room to make a point without stepping on a potentially clever line, parentheses, which makes me crazy when some other podcasters do that. This Todd guy is a stitch, and he brings out the very best in our friend Allison. Oh. So nice. Thank what, you. What's a stitch? It's a real cut up. It's a real funny dude. Oh. Oh, like, oh, this is, this is like 40s talk. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're a real <laughs> stitch there, see? Yeah. Okay, if, if you would have read it with a mid-Atlantic accent. <laughs> oh, like, <laughs> that Perry boy, he keeps me in stitches. Yes, Exactly. If I said it like John Mulaney, would it be? <laughs> yes. Very good. Well, I'd like to thank Allison Rosen for joining me on this week's show. I would like to thank you for having me on this week's show. And I, I'd like to apologize for the massive amount of brain fog that I exhibited throughout this entire show. I I feel like I wasn't completely on this week. Like, I, I don't I, I don't know what happened. No apology necessary for me, but uh, I'm glad you apologized to them because they might be angry. I'm sorry that I hooted and hollered so much over these alarms and alerts that you throw at me with no warning. I can't help it. I'm a reactive human being. That's what happens when you're dealing with a stitch. <laughs> Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week. Right, like, what do you have for me today, Satan? Upworthy Weekly. It's toasted.